the more you're putting yourself out there, the more likely it is that you're going to be able to get a rejection email back in the morning. It's okay to feel that disappointment. And then what you do next is really what defines the failure. It's not the failure itself. Welcome to the Resilient People Podcast. My name is Janet Fanaki. I speak with regular, but what I call extraordinary people from around the world who are admired for their resilience. They've overcome a major challenge and turned this difficult experience into something positive, a purpose, to help others be resilient too. Dr. Caitlin Kirby is an environmental science educator and researcher. She successfully completed her doctorate degree in October 2019. Normally three years long, there are many struggles in completing a PhD. Stress, funding, work-life balance, and in Dr. Kirby's case, rejection. Rejection from what, you might be wondering? Well, life is full of mishaps and it looks different for everyone. For, I'm going to call her Caitlin from now on, she did something unique when challenging her doctoral dissertation. And that brought the issue of rejection to light, and she hopes that it's going to help others. I contacted Caitlin after seeing a post she did on Twitter, and it got her a whole lot of attention worldwide. Her original post read, Successfully defended my PhD dissertation today. In the spirit of acknowledging and normalizing failure in the process, I defended in a skirt made of rejection letters from the course of my PhD. Thank you to everyone involved in my journey. To learn more about Caitlin's idea in creating this special skirt, I chatted with her recently on Zoom. So Caitlin, why don't we start by you sharing a little bit about yourself? So my name is Caitlin Kirby. I am a science education and environmental science researcher currently at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and I recently finished my PhD at Michigan State University. So you just completed your PhD. Tell me what that experience was like. What's involved in applying for a PhD? Yeah, so a PhD is one of the options of what you can do in graduate school, which is after you get your bachelor's degree or an undergraduate degree. And it is a research-focused degree, so that means that you're doing a lot of investigating your own kind of research questions um, and putting that together to try and contribute to a scientific field or an academic field. And what's involved in applying for that? So applying for graduate school, usually you have to get recommendation letters from folks that you worked with in your undergraduate degree. You have to submit your grades from your undergraduate degree. Um, and it's really important also to talk to the professor or professors that you might want to work with at different schools to get an understanding of their research program and how your interests align with their research interests. So you've got to do a bit of networking and also sort of proving your academic or school smarts. The culmination of your degree is basically what's called a dissertation, which is where you put together either one very substantial piece of research into, into writing, or in my case, it was three smaller projects that I linked together. And so that becomes sort of the one document on which your, your PhD is judged and you either are, you pass and you become a doctor or uh, you have to keep working at it. And how is that presented, just out of curiosity? 
Yeah, so there's the written component, which you submit to your university, and then there's also what's called the dissertation defense. You are the presenter, and your colleagues are there, your advisor is there, and other professors who make up part of what's called your committee, and that's the group who decides whether you pass or not. And again, that presentation is called a defense, a dissertation defense. How many people were at your dissertation defense? I think there were about 30 or 35 people at my dissertation defense. Mine was in uh, really a, a large conference room that was used sometimes as a, as a classroom. And I invited a lot of my family, um, which some people decide to do and other people don't, and had a lot of the other students there who were with me throughout my, my PhD journey and then also professors from the department. So you had a, a good level of support from your peeps, your community, your family, right? But that can still be, I'm sure, very intimidating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, with your family there and your friends, it's almost a little bit more intimidating because I'm used to speaking to sort of the academic community, but I wanted it to be interesting for everybody who was there. Um, and also, I don't know, a little bit more pressure, I guess, to, to impress the, the people who you're really close to, who you really care about. You definitely made it more interesting by doing something a little unconventional, right? Can you talk a little bit about the day of your defending your dissertation? Yeah, so I wore a skirt that I had made out of rejection letters that I had gotten throughout the course of my PhD uh, to present my, my dissertation to my defense. So I was uh, sort of crinkling around the, the front of the room in my skirt as people filed in and, and were kind of looking and wondering what it was and what was going on. So it was uh, definitely added a little bit of interest to the beginning of the presentation. So it was a number of letters that were printed on paper and they were folded accordion style and you hole punched kind of like a waistband, you know, so they would fit around you with a ribbon, I think it was. Yep, a ribbon. And I had, I think, two or maybe even, I think, two rows of letters um, and some tools, some fabric in behind to give it a little bit of volume. How many letters? It was 17. Wow. That's just what fit. I had plenty more printed out and I'm sure plenty more in my email or that had gotten lost along the way. And they were rejection letters from who? from different opportunities that I'd applied to throughout my PhD. So some were from the other graduate school I applied to that I didn't get into. Some were from conferences that I applied to join or applied to present my research at that I didn't get accepted to or academic journals or fellowship and scholarship programs, all kinds of things. So that's really interesting. That's That must have made quite an impression when you walked into that conference room with that skirt on. I wasn't sure what the reaction was going to be. So it was definitely kind of a vulnerable moment to sort of introduce this idea. I mean, it's not immediately obvious, you know, just from the skirt itself that the letters are rejection letters. So I had to announce that. And as I was, it was sort of an interesting, sort of an intake of breath at like, well, this is strange. Why is she wearing rejection letters? And then as I described the reasoning behind it, I think more people sort of understood the idea. So what was the reasoning? So throughout my PhD program, I was in a very supportive environment where my advisor encouraged us to apply to a lot of things and also started 
about halfway through my program at our weekly meetings, having all of the professors or anyone who had graduated from student status share a failure from their week at the beginning of our, our meetings in an attempt to normalize failure and rejection as part of the process. And I thought that was a really cool idea. And I knew going into my dissertation defense, you know, when you make a presentation where you want to pass and show how you've achieved all these things throughout the years, the presentation that you make is very clear and linear and tells this nice clean story. But I wanted some visual representation as well that it, it wasn't really like that. Uh, there were speed bumps along the way. That is so interesting and such an important message for life, right? I mean, you know, I've heard from experts that it's so important for children to face failure, to understand and normalize rejection, you know, that it's all a part of building your resilience and building your character in life. I definitely have been interested in those ideas as well. So I read like the book about the growth mindset by Carol Dweck, I think it is. It's definitely been an idea that, that I've tried to embody. Dr. Carol Dweck is a professor at Stanford University. She has done a large amount of research on why some people give up in the face of adversity while others work to overcome it. Dr. Dweck says, it's all in our mindset. Because if you believe that knowledge and talent grows with persistence and effort, then you see failure as an opportunity to learn and get better versus a reflection of your ability. But one of the things that I found interesting is that doesn't having, knowing that, that failure is important and a necessary part of the process, doesn't necessarily make that initial disappointment or that feeling you get right after the rejection or the failure, um, it doesn't necessarily make that part any easier. So I definitely still feel that very much when I have some kind of setback but I think it's then that part after that, the part after the reaction, after letting yourself be disappointed that we can control and sort of take the time to learn the lesson from that failure. How did you learn that? Practice. <laughs> so yeah, I had a lot of opportunities for that failure and those moments. And I think time helps as well. You know, the more, the more you're putting yourself out there, the more likely it is that you're going to be, be able to get a rejection email back in the morning or whenever it is. So I think practice really and, and letting yourself um, feel that disappointment, but then taking the time to revisit that and say, okay, is there anything helpful I can learn from this? And if so, what is it? And if not, then just moving on. So that I'm, I'm guessing is a message that you would share with other people, right? Yeah, I think so that it's it's okay to feel that disappointment and then what you do next is really what defines the failure. It's not the failure itself. So out of curiosity, once you had presented, were there any questions other than your research that you had been working on during your PhD about the skirt in particular? I don't think people asked questions about the skirt. Uh, after the presentation, I definitely heard support for the idea that people appreciated it. And if there were people who didn't appreciate it, they at least didn't let me know, which is nice of them. <laughs> but I was pleased that people, that it resonated with people. 
And you certainly got a bit of attention about it. I mean, I had found you on social media and I contacted you because I just loved your story so much. What's been the feedback from people out there in the social world? I knew that it would get some attention on what's called academic Twitter, which is uh, sort of a subset of, of people on Twitter who are sharing their research and journeys through universities. So I, I tweeted it out and then it really got picked up a lot beyond that, which was kind of surprising to me because as we talked about, you know, a dissertation defense and academia getting a PhD aren't necessarily things that are very well known are um, processes that are very transparent to people outside of universities, but I think it was the message itself that, that resonated and got picked up and shared a lot. And so I was really happy to see that, that it was useful to people or, you know, on occasion inspiring or helpful. So last question, where's the skirt now? I actually had to get rid of it when we moved. We were, my husband and I, after my dissertation defense, we had the opportunity to go to Germany for a Fulbright research grant that I had, um, which also got interrupted, sadly, because of the pandemic. But we were very much downsizing and getting rid of our house, and it got uh, damaged during one portion of the move. And so I ended up just saying, you know, I have the memories and I still have the letters. Um, so I, I think I can move on from the physical skirt and, and let the idea be the thing that, that keeps it alive. I mean, I, I could have made many more by now at this point with all the, um, you know, jobs that I've applied for since then and all that. So. Maybe, maybe someday again, there will be some event where I'll, I'll need to make another one. Just as I learned when I had education expert Jane Christoffi on an earlier episode, her message was that we need to let our children fail in order to succeed and remind them that failure is a normal part of life. In Dr. Caitlin Kirby's scenario, we're seeing this applied even in the adult world. She did it in such a fun way too. The response to her tweet, and the photo of her wearing her infamous rejection letter skirt is fantastic. Comments like, You are a badass. I just started my PhD and am terrified and needed to see this. Or, You have no idea what you've done for a complete stranger. This is so inspiring to me as I thought about just forgetting this journey. I'm invigorated to start again. And, I'm going through some difficult rejection stuff lately and I'm glad to see this. Woohoo! Social media for good. I'd like to thank Dr. Caitlin Kirby for joining me, and I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Resilient People. You can find her original tweet at Kirby Kai. That's at K-I-R-B-Y-C-A-I. Today's episode was produced by Edit Audio, with thanks to Abby Gibson, Steph Coburn, and Sophie Shin. To learn more about me and other resilient people, visit resilientpeople.ca or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes. I'd love to know how you stay resilient. Do you look at failure as an opportunity for improvement? Feel free to share with me your thoughts and what keeps you in a positive mindset. And I'm always on the hunt for resilient people to talk with. If you or someone you know is considered to be resilient, please get in touch with me. Send me an email, info at resilientpeople.ca or contact me through the website, 
Once again, it's resilientpeople.ca. Maybe you'll be a guest on an upcoming episode. Till next time, I'm Janet Fanaki. Bye for now. Divorce sucks, but it doesn't have to be all bad. Hi, I'm Leanne Townsend, a family law lawyer and partner at the law firm Brody Thorning LLP. I'm also the host of the Divorcing Well podcast. Divorcing Well aims to help provide listeners with the tools and knowledge they need to support themselves legally, financially, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I want listeners to tune into Divorcing Well because they are looking for the knowledge and inspiration to get them through the rough days. And on the positive days, they will gain the tools that they need to heal and move through the various stages of grief that divorce can bring. Each week, I interview an expert or a guest who's been out there in the trenches going through divorce themselves, sharing their stories, their knowledge, their inspiration with listeners so that ultimately I can help them to divorce well. You can find my podcast on all podcast platforms or visit my website at www.leannetownsend.ca. Thank you.